Do you ever wonder why some podcasts are so successful? Do you wish that you could replicate the success of some of the top podcasts? So do we. And we believe there is no harm in asking. So we're questioning everything about how podcasts are produced, hosted, and monetized. This is No Harm in Asking. I'm Eric Byron. And I'm Michael Kerr, always happy to share my opinion. We review podcasts and look for the hidden treasures within. This week, we will be reviewing Freakonomics Radio with Stephen Dubner, who discovers the hidden side of everything. This podcast is sponsored by Colab.me, the free-to-use platform for interview planning, preparation, and collaboration. All right, Michael, we're on a treasure hunt. Yo-ho, yo-ho, a pirate's life for me. And this week, (laughs) I think we found some treasure. I think if I could only listen to sort of one podcast, this might be it. Like, I I think it touches on what I'm interested in, what you and I are interested in. Questions, right? Yeah. And Freakonomics, it's a great term, too. I love the... The brand, Freakonomics. This is Freakonomics Radio, the podcast that explores the hidden side of everything with your host, Stephen Dubner. So, yeah, you really have to go back, obviously, to the beginning, I think, to tell the story here about what Freakonomics is and how it came to be and how the podcast has evolved into what it is today. So this really started as a book, right? And I think you even – Well, there's a whole series of them. Yeah, I actually – I'm currently reading the first one. I decided we were going to look at this group of podcasts under the Freakonomics uh, brand. Yeah. And so, yes, I did go out and look – I downloaded the Kindle version of the – the original one, Freakonomics, and I'm about halfway, almost halfway well, through the good. book. In, in I a remember, day. I remember reading it. I think what he brought to economics was this idea that it's not boring, right? But he made it fascinating. He looked at things that were why is this and why is that, and well, tried he, to connect the dots. For the most part, yeah, he was trying to make it palpable to the to the masses, and and yeah. I think they it worked. Well, I think he made it a behavioral science. Is really what he did was True. he turned economics into a discussion of what people do and why they do it. Right, right. What it's all about incentives, incentives, yeah. and your intentions, and and so that's why I wanted to read the book also because I really wanted to kind of get inside Dubner's head. How does he go about this process? Because he's got some weird associations, right? I mean, he compares things that you look at and go, huh? Right. Why? You know what? planet is this guy from that his brain works this way. He does some really weird associations. And do you think he gets these from Stephen Levitt, from The Economist? Like, who's coming up with all of these questions? So that, so that was another interesting, yes, dynamic of this relationship. And so Stephen Dubner is clearly the kind of the voice. He's the personality we're familiar with. Right. And, you know, he'd been on the, well, he, did the books, but he's also been on the radio and done this podcast now since 2010. And this became a very, very popular 
right. podcast. Syndicated, syndicated radio show. show. Right, yeah. right. And you know, one of the things I read was so it launched in 2010. By 2018, they were getting about 15 million downloads a month. So they've done really, really well with this. Of course, we love to look at these kind of podcasts and go, all right, what are they doing right. that they're getting – they're talking about economics and getting 15 million right. downloads a month. But he's a great – you know, I, I see Stephen Dubner as the storyteller. He's the storyteller. And okay. I think when – it was an interesting story when I uh, when I learned about how the two met, right? So Stephen Dubner was working um, at the New York Times as a – on the magazine at the New York Times. And okay. somebody said, hey, you know, you should go talk to this University of Chicago economist and – he didn't think this sounded very interesting. And then Stephen Levitt, you know, was told that, oh, this guy from the New York Times is going to come and talk to you and he's going to write a story. And his interest was, let's just say, less than less than excited, yeah, less about, than excited about it. But he said, oh, but my mother reads the New York Times. Like she, she'll think, oh, this guy from the New York Times is coming. He's going to interview yeah, yeah. me. My mother is going to be impressed. Score points. So he mom. sort of, so he sort of did it. And yeah. yet, and, and then ultimately it turned into, you know, the greatest meeting of all time. Now, that being said, it's clear that Stephen Levitt has taken sort of a back seat to Stephen Dubner on the podcast. He doesn't co-host. Um, my guess is more he, of a silent partner. He's a maybe. silent partner. I think yeah. that's probably a fair comment. Yeah. My guess is that he he may very well have some insight into the into the titles and what's going on. Yeah. Under the Freakonomics umbrella, yeah. there are multiple podcasts. So Freakonomics Radio is the one we're actually reviewing today, which is kind of the main one. This is the one they started with, and then they added some other ones later. We're also going to talk a bit about No Stupid Questions, the one that Dubner does with Angela Duckworth. Uh, we've listened to some of those episodes as well. And then uh, there's another one, actually, that's fairly new called People I Mostly Admire, Mostly in Parentheses, and that one is with Stephen Levitt. So I, I thought this was interesting because, again, as we've been talking, he was kind of this silent partner, right. not in the limelight, always listed as co-author of the books, but not on stage. And in this case, now he has his own podcast. I did listen to one of those, and uh, we'll, we'll talk more about that. There's also one called Freakonomics MD. That's on the medical side of things, uh, talking about uh, fascinating things in, in medicine. And then uh, there's the Freakonomics Radio Book Club. Uh, there's also one, is it Off the Leash? Hmm. I didn't that's, see that one. There's yeah. some specials that they do every once in a while. No, there's a podcast actually called Off the Leash that is it's for dogs. It's a lady oh, really? who talks about dogs and dog ownership and all things related to dogs. And she. But it's um, not under the brand. It is under her expertise. So she's written a bunch of books, kind of the perspective of a dog. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Doesn't seem Yeah. I think too, if uh, you look at their website, yeah, Alexandra Horowitz, the host of Off Leash, not <laughs> Off the Leash. Um, Doesn't seem to fit, does it? But. Yep. All right. She heads the Dog Cognition Lab at Barnard College. Really? Yep. Well, she's written five books. So yes, so she has a uh, has a podcast within the in the group. Nevertheless, it does revolve around these experts. I, I yeah. mean, I, I like the fact that you know if you look at each one of them, even though Stephen Dubner clearly takes the lead on the Freakonomics one, you know, you've got these individuals that are obviously experts in their field and doing the other. The other four. So that's kind of the theme. Yeah. And uh, you're right. So oh, over 600 episodes now on Freakonomics Radio. Yeah, almost 650. The No Stupid Questions has like 118. 
say uh, people I mostly admire with Stephen Levitt has only 92 episodes, the Freakonomics MD at 51 episodes, and the Book Club one at 15 episodes off leash. I'm not sure on that one. It didn't show up on that list. But we both commented on how much we liked the website also that goes with this. So there's one website for Freakonomics, and it lists all the podcasts. It lists the hosts. They list the team, which I I thought was awesome. So uh, we've talked about this before, kind of a idiosyncrasy of mine about, you know, wanting podcasters to give credit to the people on their teams and these guys do it in spades. Yeah. Right. They do it on the air. They announce, all, you know, they list off yeah, the, the names of everybody. Top, not, you know, top, they come on at the end, I think maybe even at the beginning. Yeah. Certainly I don't think they the do that on the uh, Free Economics Radio. I don't think the producer comes on, but they certainly do on No Stupid on no Questions. On No Stupid Questions. Yeah. There's uh, a woman she even does corrections. Yeah. She does right? corrections. Yeah. So they, they do play a big if role. They misspeak. Yeah. It's good to see. Yeah. But that website, I agree, it is absolutely perfect. Um, yeah. It tells you exactly what the date of it, the date, the host, the, the producer. It gives you a little bit of, a, of detail. The full transcript is there. It's got a nice graphic. I like the colors. If you want to buy some swag, you know, it's all there. <laughs> and they the, the write-ups are pretty clever, I thought, on, on the folks here, too. Kind of cute and funny. Something interesting about each of the people on the, on the teams. And, and there's some heavy hitters here, too. The people who are producing, working on these shows with them, uh, I think they even have they have an audio person who was nominated for an Emmy. Wow. But it, it does that, go to yeah. show. There's there's 15-plus people listed there. Right? Just what it takes to produce something of this quality. Well, yes. Yeah, so yeah. Let, let's talk about that, production quality. So this is another one of those where they really go to great lengths you know, with music and, and sound effect transitions and and really tight editing. The, the sound quality is great. Spoiler alert. This dimension is the one of the six in which the U.S. is the biggest outlier in the world. And how does this extraordinarily high level of individualism versus collectivism play out? In a multitude of ways, large and small. That was Stephen Dubner from Freakonomics Radio and the episode, The Pros and Cons of America's Extreme Individualism. So I really do like what Stephen Dubner does. So he tends to have a lot of guests, especially on Freakonomics Radio. We were saying... This was a comparison between the two, yes. uh, Often three and sometimes more. And he uses quite an interesting technique. So he, you know, once you have, when you have four guests... It might get boring if you kind of talk to one and then you talk to the next one, you know. Yeah. But he intertwines all of the guests. So they come on. Typically, there's a lead. I want to say a lead guest. So yeah. he, really, he really sets the stage, that first guest. Right. And then he, he intermixes the other guests. But he'll bring back that person later. He uses a, a little bit of a chime to transition. Sometimes uh-huh. I felt it wasn't used properly. But okay. he does, but it's there, you know, yep. he does it. We talk about the hook. He uses a very small hook at the beginning. Americans and Westerners more generally are psychologically unusual from a global perspective. In societies that are tighter, people are willing to call out rule violators. Here in the U.S., 
it's actually a rule violation to call out people who are violating norms. Yeah. Um, to kind of hook you. It's beautifully done. You know, you commented earlier that you thought uh, he interviewed these people all separately. Or I thought, I just assumed that they interviewed right, all I these people. I did the same thing. And then he mixed them all in. But you feel that at times he probably does do group, a group interview yeah, to so, pull this off as well. So we listened to the, uh, there's two episodes uh, that were most recently published, but they're a replay. So they were originally released uh, July of 2021 and then released again here in August 2022. Well, they were taking a little break. So they just um, reissued a couple of episodes they had done previously. So this is Freakonomics Radio. And they're on American culture and, again, really, really well done. Very interesting to listen to, uh, digging in multiple angles, multiple experts. And this is why they call it Freakonomics. And he talks about discovering the hidden secrets. So they're trying to look beyond the obvious. They dismiss what is considered the, the ordinary, the obvious Right, right. Yeah, they want to look beyond and uh, and see what the data really can tell us about uh, what's going on here and, and why things are the way they are. So he really digs deep. I love the fact that his transcripts, they, they publish the full transcripts, and they're kind of formatted to show what is recorded interview in gray boxes versus Dubner interjecting, adding his thoughts, comments, added value, explanation. He um, regularly, I loved this, he regularly clarifies who you're hearing. So even though they may have been introduced earlier, you know, as, as a guest and, and who they are and what their expertise is or their title or what organization or school they come from. But then sometimes he'll just remind you. In the U.S., a lot of people talk about work. That's the cross-cultural psychologist, Michelle Gelfand. So you remember her name, and uh, and she gets lots of credit. Now, the contrast to that, though, talking about giving credit, is that I was surprised that he doesn't put names of guests in the show notes. So I was watching them on or listening to them on Apple Podcast. And, you know, the names of the guests are not in the title or the description of the episodes. Right. So, you know, and this is something that I really like to, you know, when I take notes as we're doing our analysis, right, I go look up the guests and see what I can find out about them. And I couldn't figure out who... Well, you need to listen to this one on the website. It's, I think it raises the, the bar as far as, yeah. um, you know, what you can get back. Hey, Mike, I want to take a quick moment to thank our friends from the Discovery Shark Week. I'm a big fan of Shark Week, and the folks at Discovery have some really cool collectibles and toys and exclusive deals for Shark Week. They have offered our listeners a discount on Shark Week merchandise on Amazon. We've got a link and a discount code in the show notes. This offer is only good until September 6th, so don't miss out. We saw it first with, with our review of Maya Shanker. 
And even Stephen Dunner, he's not he's not an expert per se. He's a journalist. Yeah. But he's still sophisticated enough that he that he can really do a good job of explaining what's going on and putting the whole story in context. You do hear yeah. the comments from the from the experts, but he he uses this technique where you know, again it goes kind of offline interjects with his thoughts yep. and and this pulls the whole story together so that he can end up with a, a cohesive story. And yeah. you know, we all I always say or I try and tell people when you're going to do an in, you know, if you're going to tell a story, the story tends to follow a specifically, you know, common path, right? You form the basis, you yep. build the story, the background, then you use your experts to tell their experience and then you do some sort of future looking thing. Depends on the question, but for the most part this is a question answering podcast, right? They kind of pose a question. But at the end, I would say that he never really at the end goes, oh, this is the answer, right? You know, this is what we've decided or this is, he doesn't sum it up. Mm. And maybe that's the right thing to do. Well, and I think there's a, a strategy in that too, maybe, or a philosophy in he just, he puts that information right. out in front of you to draw your own conclusion about what it means. Right. So that's what he does. So well, the other thing I thought was great about his style is the way that he'll kind of introduce something and then go off to really give some history, some context to that depth of information, right? I want you to really understand this data point, right? What's behind this data point? And, uh, and so he'll go off and he'll kind of explain that piece. And then he brings you back and goes, okay, now within the, the higher level context, let's give you the next data point. Yeah. And, and maybe he brings in another guest who explains, you know, the, the context behind that. And what does this mean? And where did this come from? And why do people tend to believe this, but the truth is really maybe over here. And so, um, and he does this layer by layer by layer through the whole story, pulling it all together to the point where he's kind of made this case. It's, it's literally, it reminded me of, you know, in a court case, right? I've got this piece of evidence and I have this piece of evidence and together all of these pieces of evidence draw us to hopefully some conclusion. I, I agree. I think you yeah. do. I think that's a very good point. And, and his ability to tell this story, you know, with from multiple perspectives, yep. I think is what's a winner. I did listen to one episode where he spoke specifically to one, only to one person. Okay. This was an interview with the Brown University president, Christina Paxson. Yeah. And I have, I read a few reviews or some comments on this one from other people. Some people called this a train wreck. And really? He asked some very pointed questions about why Brown pulled out of some of these committees that talked about student aid. And he asked her questions about why do you have billion dollars worth of endowment? And she answered none of these questions particularly well. And <laughs> it, it was, you know, a train wreck is maybe a bit of an exaggeration, but it was a very poor show, in my opinion. When you compare it to the other shows where he's able to bring in multiple guests and and take you along on Dissect. a story. It yeah. was and go off off offline sort of and, and pull it all together. It was just nowhere near as compelling. Uh, you know, I think he's figured out the formula. He knows what it is and he uses it very effectively. And when he goes off, you can see that it's just not as effective. Yeah. So let's compare this to no stupid questions, because initially we thought we were going to love that show. Right. I right? thought this was the one to do. Yeah. Yeah. We we love questions. And so the the idea, the concept behind this one 
really piqued our interest. And then I think both of us listened to a couple of episodes and went, oh, that's, you know, we got two smart people kind of challenging each other on, on these questions, but. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, and Angela left. Duckworth, right, is also, I mean, she's an A-lister, right? She's, you know, pretty famous. In fact, yeah. one of the other ones we reviewed, uh, in fact, you referenced, you know, Maya Shankar, the specific episode we right. reviewed Angela was on. Angela Duckworth as the guest. So, so yes, no, we have no specific relationship with Angela Duckworth <laughs> right. here. Uh, we're not promoting her, but she does clearly a lot of podcasts. And a lot of speaking, right. and, and so she does tend to pop I up feel on our Angela is I feel Angela does this to boost up her brand as a university professor. I mean, yeah. You know, I, we think all professors should do more podcasts yeah. because that's how you raise your brand. That's how you get more kids to sign up for your class at whatever yeah. you you're at. Yeah, I don't disagree there. But again, just the format with just the two of them and they're kind of answering the questions as opposed to bringing in guests – um, now, Angela is right. – she, so she plays the expert, right? So as yeah. opposed to bringing on guests who play the expert, yeah. in this case, almost all of the questions are sort of psychology, personality. You know, they, they fall within Angela's expertise. So she's yeah. supposed to be the expert. But it's just missing something. Like it doesn't have that meat that I want. Yeah, yeah. Well, and when you compare it to the Freakonomics Radio one – Right, it's it just not as enjoyable. Difference, yeah, yeah. I thought that Freakonomics Radio uh, format and the guests and the quality, except for the one you listened to, and yeah. the, the uh, Brown University one, yeah, you know, they're they're really really high quality. They're well done. I did notice that they uh, he does like to do some series, so uh, you know this was just a two part one that we kind of reviewed here on the the culture American culture thing that was uh, it was very very well done, but it was only two episodes. Uh, prior to that, in, in June of this year, they did a three-parter on uh, kind of blockchain, crypto, NFT stuff. I spotted one I just happened to, to come across. It was like a five-part series on uh, sports stuff. So, you know, they, they like to do these kind of themed sections where they do multiple episodes in a row. And again, just the, the whole kind of premise behind Freakonomics itself of you know, we're going to ask this kind of strange question or we're going to compare two things you wouldn't think normally have a relationship. What do broken-hearted knitters, urinating goalkeepers, and the CIA have in common? Mm-hmm. We're going to show you this underlying interesting current of – Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like no, the No Stupid Questions, you know, they should be able to, you know, do something similar. I, I think they could – I think there's real potential here. It doesn't use the same level of format that you're referring to right. um, with multiple guests. So, so I, I was disappointed by that. a little bit about the other one, the Stephen Levitt Okay. I didn't one. listen to this one, but you so did. So people I – Right. Mostly in brackets. Mostly yeah. admire – so the idea of this one is really it's more about the guests. Levitt interviews famous people or really, really knowledgeable experts in certain interesting areas. And again, clearly he is part of the brains, if you will, behind the books and the questions sure. and the data. He's really the analytical one who 
came up with some of these odd associations of things and, you know, digging into to questions that most economists wouldn't even bother with. So he's an interesting guy. But when you listen to his podcast, it seems a little forced, like he's <laughs> uncomfortable in this role as as host and having to ask questions. You know, this is not his personality. Do you think they, they, they pushed him to do it? Or do you think that he said, oh, I feel like I'm not playing a significant enough role in the brand? I, I don't know. interesting to know. Because right? this goes, I mean, their relationship goes all the way back to, you know, early 2000s. Oh, yeah. It's almost a 20-year relationship. Yeah. Well, it's got to be more than that, probably, because the first book was published right, in, 2005. in 2005. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, they've been working together, partners in this thing for a long time. And now, finally, say, 20 years in, all of a sudden, he's got his uh, his own podcast and he's doing okay with it. Uh, what I loved about that episode I listened to was he was talking with this woman, and I apologize to her because I, I didn't take notes. Sorry, I couldn't leave it like that. I went and looked it up. It was astronomer Jill Tarter who spent her career searching for extraterrestrial intelligence. The SETI program has been like her life's work. Mm-hmm. And if you remember the movie Contact, with Jodie Foster. Yeah. So that character was actually modeled after this woman who was the guest on on the show. And she actually helped Carl Sagan with the movie and was on set at times, uh, met Jodie Foster and talked with her about the role and stuff. So, so it was a very interesting interview. I liked it just because it's talking about aliens and <laughs> sci-fi stuff and I like that movie it doesn't have as much appeal to me from a just looking at the titles right they also don't put the people's names in the title not that I would necessarily know who they are yeah Um, if you're going to do a people I mostly admire podcast I'd put their name yes respect almost (laughs) right if I admire you I I would put your name out there yes you know Stephen Levitt luck on on this I don't think he's going to get 15 million downloads no he's not Now, I would also comment that this is a great example of what can happen when you have a super team behind you. Because I think if if Stephen on his own just decided to go do this, it really would have been a train wreck. Maybe. Um, I mean, I think... No, I'm talking Stephen Levitt. Oh, Stephen Stephen, Levitt. If Stephen Levitt had tried to do a podcast on his own, it would have been been a train wreck. But you see Dubner actually sometimes doing the intro on... Stephen Levitt's okay. <laughs> podcast. So he's making sure you hear his voice and you realize, yes, this is under the Freakonomics thing, right? And I'll um, introduce my friend and co-author of the books, you know, it's Stephen Levitt. So he makes sure you know who Stephen Levitt is. And then you've got this incredible team of producers and audio folks and yeah. and stuff that are coaching him on you know doing these interviews and finding him these guests. And so, yeah, you get the right people around you. Even Stephen Levitt, who clearly does not have a really charismatic personality, uh, can do a successful podcast. So, yeah, so lots we can learn from this one. And our, say, our treasure hunt, I think, has been successful here. Yo, ho, yo, ho, a pirate's life for me. This is another really, really solid, well, and an example of you do it right and people will listen, even in 
even if it's economics, you can make economics right. you interesting. Can tell a great, you can tell a great story if you know how yeah. to piece it together. Yep. You know, we talk about, and I, I'm going to leave with, with the music because- Oh, yes. I love the, so the music on No Stupid Questions is a talking head song. Today on the show, why do people stay in places that make them unhappy? We are number one, including unhappiness, damn it. Even though we said we didn't like it, yeah. you know, the no stupid questions as much as uh, Freakonomics Radio, I did walk away uh, enjoying it because I felt the music made me That's true. Happy. It did set the mood. It was, it was great. And I had actually made the same note in my notes when I was listening. That was one of the first things I wrote down was I love the music at the beginning. Right. So, you know, let's talk. Podcast. Don't – you wind up and, and, you know, even what you do at the end of the podcast, right? A little bit of music – and they do the fact check on uh, on no stupid questions. Stephen Dubner ends with a little bit of a quote, like a fun quote, like yep. a little bit of an outtake almost yep. from his guest. And and it just keeps you there till the very end. I enjoyed all of those things. Yes. Awesome. Well, that was our review of Freakonomics Radio with Stephen Dubner. Please subscribe so you never miss one of our reviews on No Harm in Asking. You've been listening to No Harm in Asking with Michael Kerr and Eric Byron. Thanks for listening. If you'd like us to review your podcast, please let us know. This podcast is sponsored by Colab.me, the free-to-use platform for interview planning, preparation, and collaboration. <laughs> <laughs>